from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Harris the snapper. Huber will hold it. 52-yard. Sweeps the leg. McPherson. He's got it. Cincinnati wins. Kick was down the middle and good. 49ers win it. And this crowd and that Packers team is stunned. Matt Gape boots it through. And the Rams by the hair of their skinny teeth team. Looking to the end zone for the win. He caught it. Ball game. Chiefs to the championship game. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Cofield and Company. Ari and Willie back in the Finley Toyota studios. What's up, Willie? What's up, dude? You sound a little subdued. It's, I mean, it, was this weekend a lot for you? Exhilarating? You out of it? You got some energy? You're at VA uh, why What's We cool? open these shows with a question of my passion. What are, what are we doing? It's it's weird. I'm actually we're at the arena right now, so me screaming and yelling four feet away from okay. Well, you know, that, CBS text might. I didn't blow question your off, passion. So. I was wondering yeah. if you were just tired. Well, you know, I was just thinking about how crazy yesterday was, and uh, also Saturday, and you heard all the game winners there, and the drama, and the ups and downs, and we'll get into betting the games, which that was completely insane. Obviously, you should have been betting comebacks and miracles and all that stuff because uh, you probably made out pretty well, but. What do you think, Willie? Did you actually see anyone? Because I, I, I kept seeing people put up, uh, you know, this is the greatest weekend to play of football we've ever seen. D- did you see anyone find a weekend that was comparable to try to say, hey, this this weekend and whatever, 1988 was better? Not in terms of the entire weekend. The, the only game that I saw compared to yesterday's Bills-Cheese game was uh, one that you and I remember probably. Um, I don't know how many of the listeners, but uh, – the uh, famous San Diego Miami game back in the early oh, yeah. '80s. That was uh, that was an intense back and forth affair. And well, that was what that was. Kellen Winslow going off the field with a towel over his head because yes. he was yep. you know, dehydrated because of the heat. Yeah, that that uh, famous game, famous picture, if you yeah. will. Um, so I saw that comparison. Um, you know, it, it you could talk about playoffs, right? You talk about if you're sitting there trying to figure out comparing comparing playoffs, but. Man, if in comparison to yesterday's game, the Bills Chiefs in specific, but I mean four walk-off games, but in terms of how that game just changed hands, uh the Chargers Raiders to be at that game and cover that game, the last game of the season, the <laughs> yeah. last game of the entire season in terms of the entire schedule, Sunday night football with everything I mean in in a sense that was a playoff game. You know what I mean? The rest of the schedule, the rest of the season, the rest of the teams, they were done. It, it, the spotlight was on them. That was a one-and-done winner gets in outside of a tie. Um, so that was a pretty exciting game. And to cover that game, I mean, let alone uh, having to change my story four times. Yeah, four times. So, But, it, but not imagine doing it. Game. Imagine covering Chiefs-Bills yesterday. It would have been so – that, that just – same thing. Would have been nuts. I mean, to change. I can't imagine how many leads changed hands. Um, our guy, our, you know, my AP colleague out there in Kansas City, and then the different reporters who were covering the game in town, the Buffalo guys, the Kansas City guys, whomever it was, national guys. Um, 
to have to you, you just don't know what's going to take place and then and the thing is is you write a running story so you have things that took place throughout the game but then as those last two minutes are going on you got to include that so you're you're nipping and tucking you're editing as it's going and for those of us that have to have something at the horn literally within 1 to 2 minutes after a game ends you have to have it to your editor and then it moves on the wire or gets put up on a website, whatever it may be, it's it's not the easiest of things to do. It can be, become very, very hectic, and that is why you see a lot of us will say, the last thing we need is an overtime game. The last thing we need is a last-second game. We'd rather have a blowout. We'd rather have a game that's or that's in hand, you know, a competitive game, but it's in hand with three, four minutes to go, if not the entire fourth quarter. Not me. <laughs> not you sideline guys, you know. No, throw you a throw you a microphone and a guest, and it's all over. I haven't written in a long time, so I wasn't very good at it, and I definitely did not like writing on deadline. <laughs> <laughs> it sucked. Yeah, so we had uh, three of the four games, walk-off field goal. The other one was a walk-off touchdown. Um, some random facts. I mean, think about this. Titans sacked Joe Burrow nine times. Packers held the Niners offense to six points. Bills had a lead with 13 seconds left. They all lost. Yeah. They all lost. Nine sacks, you lose. Your D holds the opposing offense to six points. Loss. 13 seconds left. Loss. Um, how about the fact of the um, – I, 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 I breezed through our, our rundown, so I don't know if we're bringing this up later, but how about the fact that the 13 seconds – that Buffalo held that lead at the end. It mm-hmm. took it took Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs 13 seconds to move two plays, get the game tying field goal. It took Dak Prescott 14 seconds to run against the Niners. Yep, incredible, right? <laughs> I still I still don't even know how it happened. You're still trying to remember, or did you? I mean, you just, just were just, in no, awe. Just, no, just process it. Yeah, it's it, it was it was what, and and you know what? I I okay. This is going to sound – I have no dog in the fight. I am not a – you know, the way a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about today is going to come across in terms of hating on teams or players. And you know typical, what? I typical don't, Willie. I, no, yes, of Real course. Nasty. Yes, yeah. But um, as much as we're glorifying Patrick Mahomes and what he did, uh, Tyreek Hill was a big part of that comeback <laughs> in the last couple of minutes. And I think that he did – you know, yards after catch is a major stat in today's, you know, day of today's age of metrics and analytics. And, you know, he made Patrick Mahomes look good on a couple of those of uh, last few drives. Yep. So he deserves a lot of the credit, if not just as much as Patrick Mahomes. Well, how many times do you watch and you're like, that guy is so much better than everyone else? Tyreek Hill? Yep. I mean, like just like guys take they make one slight mistake on the angle they take. I've one slight mistake yeah. and they can't make up for it. He's gone. It, it uh, I you've seen it before and you say it like man that guy's fast, but in terms of like overall athletic, I think yesterday he really put himself above and beyond. <laughs> I mean, yesterday was a, was more of a clear sign of. He is just such so much far better of an athlete. Forget football player. Yeah. Okay, football player, you catch the ball. But from there, like, for instance, um, what's the kid's name from from Buffalo? Scored the four touchdowns. Uh, Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis. Yeah. I mean, 
he, a man among, cho- I mean, just the way he was catching and Josh Allen, right, just blowing people over his his rushing style. But all football moves. Tyreek Hill got the ball and then just took over athletically. And that is what was amazing to me. I mean, world-class speed. I mean, when's the next Summer Olympics? Let's get this guy training. I think he might be a little old at this point. That's next. That's kind of next level. Next level speed. I don't know, man. This dude. I mean, he's close. He's he's there. He's, he's not close. Usain Bolt there, but he's fast. But with all the equipment on and supposedly nursing an injury, okay, he looked he looked fine. That's why that's why I'm saying he's he got good. time to train. All right, so we got four teams out. We'll talk about the uh, demise of those teams and what it means for the rest of the NFL, especially Aaron Rodgers. As uh, again, no shocker, he was real cryptic after the game. See if the Raiders are going to get in the mix. We got a lot of Raiders related rumors out there. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. I did not think we'd be talking about this after this game, but, you know, I'm going to take some time and uh, have conversations with the folks around here and then take some time away and make a decision, obviously, before free agency or anything kind of gets going on that front. It's fresh right now. It's, you know, a little shocking for sure. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, Willie, we almost had it all. We almost had it all. A-Rodge, bye-bye. Chiefs were on the verge of being bye-bye. Raiders fans, not happy. Not happy. I think most Raiders fans are rooting for the Buffalo Bills. It's Cofield and Company down here in San Diego getting ready for the uh, Running Rebel game. Coming up at 6 o'clock, 530 is Running Rebel warm-up. And I think uh, coming out of the weekend, you know, much of the euphoria is about the Chiefs and the Bills. Rodgers is a massive story. And, again, I wouldn't even say that was cryptic. He's saying, hey, I need some time. I think he knows – what he wants, and he did also mention, well, you know, things are going to be different here next year in Green Bay. But on the, the Chiefs and Bills, while everyone else was going crazy, you had some problems with the game? Uh, so I had, I had, what I had was a problem with people saying it was the greatest playoff game played. Hmm. It wasn't. Well, it wasn't the greatest mean? game played. It was the most exciting, or one of the most exciting, sure. And you, want, over, you want quality football. Well, it. It's not that you're I want it. I want I want people to, to to comment properly when you're when you're a reporter. Comment properly. Well, come on now. The vernacular has to be proper. It was not the greatest <laughs> game played. The Chiefs missed a field goal and an extra point. The Bills ranked number one in several defensive categories. They didn't show up. They didn't defend. They couldn't tackle Josh Allen, or excuse me, they couldn't tackle uh, Tyreek Hill. They couldn't. They couldn't cover. What happened? What happened to that defense? So, people love offensive shootouts. They love back-and-forth affairs. They love high-scoring games. Nobody likes what they saw on Saturday. They don't like the long, drawn-out field goal games. But, you know, what we saw was we saw key moments with offensive big plays at certain times. We saw Joe Burrow step up and and sort of mature, the maturity that this kid's had in a couple of years. We saw some key. We saw field goals. So we saw special teams. We saw we saw offense, special teams, and defense. What we saw yesterday was the Rams up twenty-seven to three, and then everybody go, "Oh, here comes Tom Brady. He's the goat." No, we saw the Rams defense blow it, and then almost blow it. But then 
Stafford bailed him out with that bomb down the middle. Okay. Then the nightcap, you saw two defenses that looked like crap. So I got news for you. If the Bills' defense looks like that again, they're going to be in trouble against Cincinnati. If the Rams' defense plays like they did in the second half against San Francisco, which is on what? How many game run in L.A.? They're going to be in trouble. Because you're talking about two teams that look defensively sound the day before. San Francisco went into Green Bay, which we all said was dang near impossible. Right? Okay. So I'm just saying, Kansas City-Buffalo might have been the most exciting, thrilling, exhilarating, oh my gosh, can't believe it, back and forth, 13 seconds left, Patrick Mahomes, those were defensive collapses. On both sides. Rams collapse. End of story. In my opinion. That's it. We're done. That's it. We're Good done. Good show today. All right. We'll see. <laughs> it is funny how fired up people get about the offense, though. And the, the defense was dreadful. And then, listen, players make plays. And, you know, sometimes players don't make plays, right? Uh, you saw it. The defenses weren't very good. I thought that was the story of the weekend, not coaching. But did you want to hop on coaching? You want to get on McDermott for not squibbing it down the middle of the field okay, and trying to waste, but, uh, trying to waste three, honestly, four seconds? Honestly, honestly, how many people realistically, like I don't know how many people I saw tweet that before. Or, I didn't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that's something, that makes sense. Right. But you think about it afterwards because you right. heard one. Like, well, because, I they went know, down, because they went down the field and every one of those seconds – was super important. Most right. people, most people are like the game's over. It doesn't matter. If, it doesn't matter if they kick it, you know, into the end zone. It doesn't matter if they squib it. It doesn't matter. There's just not enough time left. And now, now there are new rules because of Patrick Mahomes. Thirteen seconds is more than enough apparently to get down the field. You know, to unless move you're it, the Dallas Cowboys, move it fifty-five yards. Yeah, right. But so, and how many people that have brought that up today? Right, I, I have gone in a number of different Facebook posts when they talked about the game. That's the greatest game I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. First of all, if you are, especially if you're not in our age range, yours, mine, okay, maybe Adams, Matt, Adam Hills. I'm not sure where Adam Candy's age is, but. Oh, he's old. Okay, so 40s he's an old soul. He's 40, okay. 40 so, something so, going on 60. Okay, and, and you're in the sports field, so you can comment and say maybe greatest ever or Super Bowl era. But I'm seeing 20s and 30s, people in my son's age area talking about, that's the greatest game that's ever in the history. First of all, you don't even know the history of football, so shut up. Very annoyed. Oh, very annoyed, Willie. I thought we were coming in. We're going to celebrate football. I am. Yay, NFL. I'm tired of ta- people talking about goats, and they're talking about Drake and LeBron and uh, this era. I, where I you don't even that. know about the history of stuff. Yeah, the goat so, stuff. The goat stuff Right, is the goats, the greatest. So, so. So, so is so is being a prisoner of the moment. So like, you know, it's what you can remember because it's the most fresh right, memory so. that that whatever you just saw. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you you want to do the uh, the good bad of a story, um, I wasn't here, but watching on TV the Boise San Diego State game was one of the greatest defensive games ever. Now I think most people who watched it were like, "Oh my God, this has set basketball back" because they finished with a total of seventy nine. It was a 42-37 game. It was, so. it was like those old-school Georgetown SMU games. Remember it was, that? It was the worst. worst Remember that? It was worse than that. <laughs> what was that, Georgetown SMU? No, there was one George. of them. Somebody scored like 19 points or something. I can't remember. But I, the funny thing is, is making comments on people's posts on Facebook, and then you know, the one guy said, you have got to be kidding me. Are you serious with that comment? I was like, yeah, I'm dead serious. That it wasn't the great. It was the worst of the four games played. The way you're wording it, as far as football is concerned, how can either defensive coordinator be happy with their units? 
Buffalo's defense was there to blame. 13 seconds and you let that happen. I don't care who it is. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, name your guy, Aaron Rodgers. It, it's so, uh, but back to the squib kick. I want to know how many people were are saying that today because they heard somebody else say it. Not because they thought of it, but because they heard somebody else say it. I don't like your comments, and now you're copying your comments. <laughs> yes. And you don't know the history of football. And you don't and know. the story of the game was a defensive meltdown, not offensive prowess. And Drake and Willie LeBron is reconfiguring are our thoughts not on a Monday. goats. Who's not goats? Drake and LeBron. That's the young era for music and NBA, so I have to lump that in just because, you know, the 20-something people. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. That's five sacks for this defense in each of the last three games, and it's blocked! Up into the air and spinning inside the 10. Picked up and a touchdown! Hafanga got the return for the touchdown after the block by Jordan Willis. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Disastrous weekend for the Bills defense. We were just talking about that with uh, Vegas focus on the AFC with the Chiefs. No one wants to see the Chiefs advance. I know on this show, I think we're kind of torn on the Packers. Atrocious special teams. Willie, one of the big stories there. Andy Herman covers the Packers. Pack a day podcast. Uh, just saw that uh, put out on Twitter. He's got a top 200 sports podcast, and Andy gives a couple minutes here to wrap about the Packers game and also looking ahead to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, what this team is going to do. Andy, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Well, give me the vibe. What's the vibe right now? Because uh, you know this is a an organization that's had a lot of su- uh, success over the years, and uh, yet again they fall short in the playoffs. Yeah, a lot of regular season success, uh, not so much uh, in the playoffs. Two Super Bowls over the last 30 years with, of course, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers primarily at the helm. Um, I don't think anyone's apologizing for two Super Bowls, but I think some of the reality is starting to set in that Green Bay's had this three-decade stretch of amazing quarterback play and may ultimately only have two Super Bowls to, to show for that. So I think that's part of the feeling. I think part of the feeling is is shock. I don't think – I think everyone sort of understood that San Francisco is a good team and that that game could certainly go either way. Uh, but there was a, a lot of, you know, team of destiny sort of feel with this team and everyone kind of coming back at the right time, whether it be Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, Whitney Merciless, Josh Myers, Randall Cobb, the list kind of just went on and on. And then to, you know, have home field advantage, play in front of a crowd this year where they didn't really get to last year. You have a freezing game, snow coming down. Just everything seemed to sort of align in the favor of the Packers, you know, save for ultimately the, the final score. Andy, and that's, the, that's the, the odd thing is when you look at the final score, 13 to 10, um, do you think that, I mean, from what you saw out there, was this something that, I mean, you Aaron Rodgers is conceivably going to be the MVP. Um, I know the Pro Football Writers Association came out with their awards, and I believe he was the uh, first team quarterback. So, is this is this does this fall does this loss fall on Rodgers in the offense, or did the 49ers defense look that good? Yeah, I, I put this game slightly more on the special teams just because of the 
disasters uh, that they basically had in this game, whether it be a blocked field goal taking three points off, a blocked punt that led to, well that directly resulted in a 49ers touchdown, also allowed the 45-yard kick return that allowed basically the 49ers' first points of the game, gave them great field position to go down and get a field goal. And that's 13 points right there. They also had a false start. They didn't line up with 11 guys on the field to try to block the last kick of the game yeah. with the season on the line. It was just an embarrassing special teams performance all the way around. Um, as far as the offense goes, I'll plenty of blame to go around there as well. The offense didn't look anything like itself through the entirety of that game after, really after Mercedes Lewis's fumble. They went down and scored easily that first drive. We're driving right down on the second drive, and then that fumble changed everything. But it was a really uncharacteristic game. Went back and watched the All-22 from that game, and just Rodgers didn't seem to, to see the field very well. Uh, there were times where he was – looking downfield when he needed to hit the check down. There were times that he was hitting the check downs when he really needed to be looking and having options downfield left some pockets when they were completely clean and didn't need to do so and could have kept his eyes downfield. And that was even before some of the pressure kicked in, but San Francisco played great defensively. I thought, you know, their, their um, matchup zone defense on the back end was phenomenal. Uh, Fred Warner was just out of his mind. Good. Uh, so they did a lot of great things too. Bosa played amazing, but overall it was just, uncharacteristic of Green Bay's offense. I'm willing to give a slight bit of accident forgiveness on a, on a day where conditions were far less than ideal and both teams really struggled to move the ball offensively in any capacity. This is a punch-out defensive battle, um, so you can sort of live with that. But to me, And that's why, to me, the special teams deserves a little bit more of the blame. Talking to Andy Herman, owner of Pack-A-Day podcast, writer-editor of Packer Report uh, 66. So, Andy, i got to ask you, because here in Las Vegas, um, when – the last couple of years, but especially this year, it's it's so hit or miss with the fans. And one week they're loving Derek Carr and he's, you know, making these game winning drives and fourth quarter comebacks with everything the sort of the tumultuous career uh, season, excuse me, not career, tumultuous season that Aaron Rodgers had off the field and so many different controversies and coming in with so many question marks to the season. Was he going to play? Wasn't he? After a game like that, what, what what's it been like uh, the last? 48 hours with the, as far as the fans are concerned. Yeah, I think there's still a lot of questions of what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers moving forward. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur came out pretty strong in his press conference today, basically saying that everyone in the organization is aligned. They want Aaron Rodgers to be their quarterback uh, moving forward, um, which is a pretty strong statement. You know, basically saying that, you know, Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, Matt LaFleur all on the same page in that regards. So I think that really is sort of question number one is, is, and I think that had to be answered first is, did they want him back? Because they've got a pretty hefty salary cap bill coming up that they're going to have to, to pay over the next couple seasons. They've got Jordan Love as a former first-round pick. And you know, obviously they've had some fallout with Aaron Rodgers in the past as well. But it seems like if, if we take it at you know, face value uh, that they do want him back, that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get him back. And if that's the case, then it's in Aaron's court as to whether or not he wants to be back, whether he feels like Green Bay will do enough uh, to not have to sort of go through a rebuild. And uh, ultimately, if he wants to continue to play football, and it seems like that's the case, but I still think it's going to be a, a, an interesting offseason with a lot of uh, twists and turns along the way. What percentage of fans do you think want to move on? That's a really great question. I think like really want to move on in because it's, you know, it's one thing to complain right after the loss and mention, you know, 30 years of good quarterbacks and only a couple of, a couple of Super Bowls. But, you know, when push comes to shove, not having that guy behind center, it changes your whole world. 
Yeah, I think I think if you asked probably yesterday and today, I think that answer is, is maybe closer to to fifty percent. I think if you ask even a week from now, I think it's probably closer to to twenty percent, maybe even less. I think the the you know the loss is still very raw for a lot of people, a lot of Packer fans. I think anytime that happens, you get these sensational uh, takes as to whether or not you know who should be fired and who shouldn't be back and everything like that. So I think there's some of that still going on. I think some people are legitimately um, upset with how he's done some off the field stuff. I think some people are upset with how he played in this game. Um, some of that's certainly legitimate, but I think, I think probably the further that people get away from this game, I think the percentage of people that would you know want him back is probably going to go higher and higher. So you mentioned a possible rebuild. What are, what are some of the changes that are, that are obviously going to happen? Like who do you think they're going to lose? What is going to happen? Yeah, this is the really interesting thing because normally I'd be able to sit and tell you a couple days after the season, like, here's like four or five things that are probably almost for sure going to happen. Here's some that could. This year, is there's a million different directions this thing could go in, and it's going to domino dependent upon what happens with Aaron Rodgers first because if he's back, I think there's likely going to be a little bit more a run-back sort of philosophy. They're not going to be able to rebuild this team the way that it was this last year, but I think they can borrow enough to still make it a very, very competitive football team, especially if they can hit in the draft and maybe find another couple of cheap guys like they did last year in Razul Douglas and Devondre Campbell, Dennis Kelly, to sort of round out the team. So I think it could go in that direction. I think Zedarius Smith is the clear one. I think he's played his final game in Green Bay. He basically posted on Instagram a, a goodbye message to Green Bay already. I think that's probably the lowest-hanging fruit. And after that, you can go down the list of about 20 guys, a lot of, even a lot of the top guys, Devontae Adams, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and the list goes on and on. And you can point to a lot of guys and say, I have no idea if they're going to be in Green Bay next year. Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball have a crazy, crazy offseason ahead of them. Roger's status, because I, I think people are confused on what rights the Packers have moving forward. So his status officially is this year under contract. Yeah, yeah, he's under contract for this season, and within the realm of possibility that they could just play that out, I would be fairly surprised no matter what happens if Rodgers plays this year under that contract. I think right. if he plays this season for Green Bay, they're almost assuredly going to do some sort of restructure, if not extension. Um, I would expect that if he stays. If he retires, I would also expect a restructure first, which would kick salary out further down the road rather than have to take it all on this year. Um, all that's sort of what Drew Brees did last year for the Saints. Um, and if he's traded, I would expect the trade to go through on the current terms of the deal with a contract worked out almost immediately, well, probably before the trade is consumed, but officially as soon as he gets to that next team. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of different things could happen, but I would be surprised if he stays on on his current contract. But as of right now, Green Bay owns his rights. Um, he does not have a no trade clause. However, he has one in effect when you consider that all he has to say is, well, if you trade me there, I'm going to retire. And then the other yeah. team is no longer interested. So um, he basically has a no trade clause effect. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast, Andy Herman NFL on Twitter. Andy, you mentioned Devontae Adams, interesting name. Of course, the tie with Las Vegas and Derek Carr. Um, there's been some subliminal, subliminal messages. Carr kind of put out that, you know, he'd love to – play a game with his former teammate. I'm just curious what if 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 any considering he's the the uh you know the the prime receiving name out there. Does he want to play with Rodgers? Have you heard anything in terms of I mean, we've talked about it in Las Vegas, car for Rodgers with draft picks and then he's with Adams, Adams to Las Vegas. Have you heard anything in terms of DeVonte Adams? 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing for Devontae, and I don't want to ever put words in Devontae's mouth, but just based on how he talked about it during uh, the season a little bit, I think he wants to be paid as the number one wide receiver in football. And I think that is very difficult uh, to gauge right now, which is where Green Bay's run into issues because uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as uh, a lot of people know, signed a very interesting contract that if you, depending on how you view it, was either, I forget the exact numbers, but there's like a $5 million difference dependent upon how you view it as the, the top rated wide receiver and what that exactly pays. So that was sort of a market setter. I think Green Bay wants to be on the lower side of that, whereas Devontae wants to be on at that or above that. And I think that's going to be number one. So I think he wants to be paid as the number one true, you know, no question about it, wide receiver in the league. Um, and I think that's probably what's going to, you know, motivate him first. I think he would love to play with Aaron Rodgers. And I think if that was in Green Bay, I think he would love for all three of those things to happen. I'm just not sure how realistic that is. And I'm sure there could be opportunities or potential that he could move to another team. And, uh, you know, obviously there is that connection with Carr uh, in Vegas as well. Let's go back to Rodgers for a second. If they move him, Packers want players, they want picks. Uh, do they want a quarterback back in a deal? What do you think they would seek for Rodgers in a trade? It would, in my opinion, it would be primarily draft picks. I mean, the big thing is that they don't have a ton of cap space. Now, you could probably theoretically work something out in a, a you know, a Derek Carr plus picks for Rodgers sort of deal. I don't think that's completely out of the realm of feasibility. Um, but I, to me, if you're Green Bay and you make a deal with, you know, Aaron Rodgers leaving, you're much better off probably starting a more, you know, hardcore rebuild than just trying to put a Band-Aid on something, uh, especially with the way their salary cap set up moving forward. So I think the, the primary thing that they would want back would be high draft picks, as many as possible. And if Green Bay could somehow get, you know, teams like the Raiders and the Broncos in the same division who are trying to compete with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes moving forward, if all of a sudden you get those two teams in a bidding war for his services, I think that's ideal for Green Bay. But again, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a say there too. And if he says, I'm not going to the Raiders, I'll retire if you trade me there, it becomes much less leverage on their part as well. So I think the whole thing would be fascinating if it gets to that point. What do you think the deadline is for a decision? Because we know yeah, he Rodgers that, can drag this oh, out. Sorry, he, he, he has a tendency to do that. Yes, he does. Uh, he he said that he plans to make this all finalized prior to the start of free agency, which I believe is March 16th. So it uh, could definitely drag out for a couple months here. Um, I think Green Bay would definitely love to, to know a little bit sooner, but they, they would have to be encouraged at minimum that the fact that they would be able to go into free agency, really trade season, and, and definitely into the draft knowing where they stand with Aaron Rodgers and whether or not he's going to be back, if that is, in fact, the case. Last one, the, the, not the sexiest sports talk radio uh, topic, but Mason Crosby can't come back, can he? I would expect Mason to probably retire would be my guess. Really? Um, again, don't know anything from Mason directly, but that, that would probably be where things are at. Definitely the one of the toughest seasons of his career, not all on Mason in any regards. Their long snapper situation was a nightmare all year long. He worked with a new um, new holder all season after having J.K. Scott the last couple seasons. The blocks were certainly not on Mason Crosby, which there were multiple. Um, so not all on Mason in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I, I, in a way, I would either expect him uh, to retire or to work out something because his contract, the way that it is right now, there's no no way they're bringing him back on that. Andy, tell people in Vegas where they can find your podcast. Yeah, you can find the Pack-A-Day podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast, 365 days a year. You can also find us on YouTube with a new video every day, 365 days a year as well. Good spot, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. There he is. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day podcast. Good stuff there. A lot to freaking sort out in Green Bay, but it all starts with 
number 12 and how long he's going to drag this out and if he's going to have his uh, little messages that he's going to be sending out his cryptic stuff with McAfee. It'll be uh, super interesting. Caller 7 right now, 364-1100, Garth Brooks, one-man show, the one-man show. Saturday, uh, check that, Friday and Saturday, February 4th and 5th. It's at Dolby Live at Park MGM. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Right now, caller 7, two tickets to see Garth Brooks, the one-man show, 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. This guy's such a winner. He's got nothing else to prove. Why not walk away from it? He's got he's got everything going healthy, and he doesn't need to prove anything. And and to me, what a, I mean, what a historic run. Gives no Fs, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. I like it. Very appropriate. Very appropriate. Nice job there by the vast production crew at Lotus Broadcasting, at times led by Ari. Willie Cofield. God, Willie's memory. You brought up a... SMU Georgetown game, and then you sent me the box score from '84. Dave Koken's with us. What's up, Dave? Well, I don't, I don't have that kind of memory. Well, we were talking about uh, low-scoring games because I'm here in San Diego, San Diego State, and Boise over the weekend at a 79 total. Yes. And Willie was mentioning a 1984 NCAA tournament game with SMU and Georgetown that finished 37-36. That was the year before <laughs> they brought in the shot clock. Yeah, I was going to say that had to be uh, in four corner days when they were doing the Dean Smith thing. Entertaining stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> did you did you hate that when you were? I mean, yeah. if you were behind, if you were behind, like against North Carolina, if you're behind in a game, uh, you know, you're playing against North Carolina, you got no shot. Well, I mean, I, it, from an aesthetic standpoint, it couldn't be worse. Oh, it was the worst. I mean, it's like if if you bought a ticket to the game. You deserve right. to get your money back. Yep. Positive change. While while this is the show, yet, shaking the fist at the sun, and yet pre three pointer or three pre shot clock, there we still had the running and gunning rebels that scored hundreds of points at the rotunda. Yeah, you wonder what they would have put up with a three points, John. I, <laughs> there's no way to calculate it, but they'd have broken some records. Yeah. Dave Kokins with us. Right, Dave. Uh, on the way back, we played Rex Ryan talking about Tom Brady. I know you had a bunch of poll questions we want to discuss. You put them up on Twitter. All right, so what are your thoughts on Brady? What did the, uh, what did the poll show? Uh, the polls show that most people think he will be back for at least one more year. Um, 449 votes, 73% say he's back for one more. 27% say he retires. I, I, I mean, I don't know where I am on that one. Uh, his kid's going to high school next yeah. year, and yeah, I wonder if he might just say, all right, enough. Physically, he can go back out there. I don't think there's any question that he's still got the tools to play quarterback, but he's got a whole bunch of business stuff going on. And the kid going to high school, um, that, that, could be a, that could be a difference maker. And let's throw on top of that, Dave, mentally. I mean, we, as, as great as Tom Brady is and, and Aaron Rodgers, right, they both early exits, we're seeing – the turnover with the next era of quarterbacks, the mental aspect of going through another season and whatever it was that he experienced yesterday, you know, in terms of the loss, I don't know if he wants to, like, you know, he has confidence in himself and his teammates, but still, you're also setting yourself up, like, do I really want to go through that no, all over totally, again? 
totally disagree with you on that. Um, competitors, really competitive people, never. He'll have to find something to replace it with. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely competitive. Now, I'm not a great athlete, but I'm extremely competitive. And it's part of the reason I still do what I do, because it's a competition every day. Um, no, I think from, from a comp competition standpoint, Brady would love to play 15 more years if he could. No, that part, yes. I just don't know if he, if as, as far as the disappointment, there's no doubt that he would get out there and compete, 100%. But with the family aspect and everything that he's got going off the field, like you said, to, to put it all out and, and the time he's got to put in, because he's also got to prepare for the season. It's not just like show up in August, you know what I mean? Especially at their age. So, But it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. Um, it would be great to see him make another run and see and just 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 for the just for the Tom Brady haters to get to to get on their nerves. I think he'll come back for one more year. I think he'll announce that next year will be his last year, and we'll see what happens. Dave Kokins with us, WagerTalk.com. All right, Dave, give me your uh, what's your biggest takeaway from Bills Chiefs? Well, I mean, I've always hated the coin to us, and I was absolutely. In fact, I tweeted uh, something about. It was before the coin toss that the coin toss was basically going to decide the game, and it did, because both defenses were absolutely dead. So, to me, whoever won the coin toss was going to get down the field and score, and Kansas City won the coin toss. Now, those are the rules. I think the rules have to change, but I don't think they will. Um, I ran a playoff overtime poll. No change needed, 23%. Full fifth quarter, 42%. Something else, 35%. So it's overwhelming on the side of something needs to be done. But I don't think the NFL cares about what the fans think. They never do. So they'll probably just leave it the way it is. Hey, Dave, hang on one second. We're uh, having a little trouble with the connection. So we'll try to reconnect here with. I agree. And I, I mean, I know what Dave's saying. I'm li I read his poll. I voted on the poll. I voted for something else. Steve, and I, and I, I mean, I, I haven't really done the research and sat there and read story after story after story. Is there a reason why the NFL can't do what college football does in their own way, starting at a certain yard line, maybe? If, if there's any change, you know, instead of maybe start at the 30 and to get a first down, you got to go 15 yards. You know, something. I don't know. You know, in the I NHL, like, I like the idea of the full quarter, and then if there's if it's tied after a full quarter, then come up with some sort of sudden death, and maybe that's when you use the college rules. Yeah, maybe you know each team just like in college, you line up at the 25 and you have to score. I do kind of find it funny those that are opposed to how it is now because of the way that yesterday's game finished. Um, they seem to forget that last or, or how many years back, sudden death was sudden death. When we were growing up watching games, sudden death overtime. Oh, it was worse. Yeah, that so, was worse. At least, at least the the cheapy field goal doesn't win. You know, in that first possession, that was terrible. Right. That absolutely was the the coin toss deal. And then you know, come on, some of the, these quarterbacks. You know, what do you have to go? Go and and, and as Dave forty seven yards to get in field goal position, they could they could do it in a heartbeat. As Dave said, uh, you know, he knew. The team that won the coin flip was going to go down. Why? Because the defenses were failing. Are we reconnected with Mr. Koken? No. All right, quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll get to the uh, big five at fours. We're heading towards a 530 running Rebel warm-up. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.